All right, everybody, welcome to B.O. Boys for Monday, December 12th. Fuck it. It's a raw feed. We're doing it live. I'm Clayton. Yeah, I'm Pat. Clayton, we had another sleepy weekend, but hopefully it's the last sleepy weekend we have for a long time. So why don't you give us a plow for the final sleepy weekend of Friday, December 11th? What was this weekend? December 9th. December 9th for the weekend of Friday, December 9th. That's how sleepy it was. I can't remember the date. Number one, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever made $11.1 million, down 37%. It lost 130 theaters. It is at $409.8 million in its fifth frame. Number two, Violent Night made $8.7 million, down only 35%. It added 41 theaters. It's at $26.6 million in its second frame. Number three, Strange World made $3.6 million, down 29%. It lost 614 theaters. It's at $30.4 million in its third weekend. Number four, The Menu made $2.7 million, down 22%. Lost 100 theaters. It's at $29 million in its fourth frame. And number five, Devotion made $2 million, down 27%. It added 53 theaters. It's at $16.9 million in its third frame. And that is your top five. All right, Clayton. So here to me is one of the the big stories that I don't think we've even given enough attention to. And that's Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Now, this movie, number one for five weekends in a row, made $11.1 million, which means it continued the streak. The streak didn't die. We had a movie that made double-digit millions this week, which was in danger. But Black Panther Wakanda Forever comfortably made that $11 million. And here's what I'll say about this movie. This movie carried the box office for over a month. Mm-hmm. The, the, the studios have not been releasing anything major. The, the, mm-hmm. the schedule since August has been a disgrace. And, and and I think we should just cut the shit right now. It has been a total disgrace what the studios have done basically since Bullet Train. Barely mm-hmm. releasing big movies, barely giving the theaters enough product to survive, enough big product to survive. And for the last five weeks, Black Panther 2, Wakanda Forever, has carried theatrical, saved theatrical, been the bridge all the way to Avatar 2, The Way of Water. And it did it again this weekend. This movie has made $409 million domestic in its five weeks. It's pacing ahead of Doctor Strange. It is a a movie that I feel in some ways we've slept on just how big it's been, but how important it has been. Mm -hmm. You know, the first Black Panther, when that came out years ago, it it did an insane number. It was a phenomenon, but it didn't have to carry the box office at that time because studios were releasing movies at a normal clip. That's not the case now. Black Panther 2, Wakanda Forever, carried theatrical for five weeks. It hands theatrical over to James Cameron and Avatar Way of Water. And I think we need to salute. And I, you know what? I'm calling it 
uh, on the fly right here. We need to clap for Wakanda forever. I'm well, it's too early for me to clap. You can clap. I'm going to clap for it because I clap for it at the point where it hands over the box office to Avatar 2. So, okay, solo clap. I'm clapping for this movie. Right well, now. I will clap for it, but it's I'm 730 in the morning. It. I don't want to wake someone up. I'm clapping for it. My my, I'll wake my wife up right now, and if she tells me why are you clapping, why did you wake me up so early, I'm gonna say it's because Wakanda Forever carried the box office for five straight goddamn weeks. Wow, good luck with that. There we go. Wake up, wake up, wake up. What do you have to say to any of that, Clay? I mean, I agree. I mean, I think we've talked about how Black Panther is is not getting its accolades because it's not the phenomenon that the first one was and nothing would be, right? But this is becoming the most successful Marvel movie in a long time, not counting the Sony Spider-Man and the three Spider-Men in it. So, yeah, I agree. I mean, I think this is a sn- it's it's funny to say that this is like a sneaky hit. Mm-hmm. But people haven't been talking about it. Right, right. It's a $409 million and counting sneaky under the radar hit, you know, yeah. but but you're right. That is, that is what this is because we got sort of spoiled by the success of that original Black Panther. And uh, I think Wakanda Forever has done more than it, it ever needed to do. Mm-hmm. But it did. It carried theatrical on its shoulders because Black Adam was, as I've been saying for a long time, has been a failure. And Wakanda Forever had a shoulder more responsibility than than it, 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 it ever thought it was going to need to do. Yeah. Now, speaking of Black Panther, mm-hmm. Wakanda Forever, we got an email, the email we were talking about last episode which mm-hmm. if you listen to our last episode which you did because it's blowing up blowing up huge we teased an email from a wannabe person mm-hmm. and that person is chanel mm-hmm. who writes hey guys i'm a black woman from toronto and i've recently discovered your podcast and have been enjoying your episodes i just listened to the episode you released on wakanda forever's 181 million dollar weekend I think you both had some fair arguments as you dissected the film's performance, an accolade I cannot give to many other white critics slash analysts in the industry after hearing their wild takes. I do, however, think you are far too generous in excusing the white audience's diminished interest in the film. Quote, perhaps white Marvel nerds tied themselves in the basement so as to not disturb black audiences grieving. How benevolent, laughing, crying face. This second installment in the franchise, void of the intrigue and curiosity attached to the first, didn't attract as many white moviegoers because it didn't center them or stories they could directly relate to, and that's okay. I also appreciate that you reviewed demographic statistics from that weekend. However, I'm curious, how often do you pull up these statistics for other movies? In your most recent discussion about Glass Onion or The Menu and other films underperforming, why not also discuss how many of these films appeal primarily to a white audience and didn't pull in other demos? It goes both ways. Anyway, just some gentle criticism and conversation starters. I'm enjoying the podcast regardless. Thanks. Well, thank you. 
Thank you. And mm -hmm. I think Pat would take umbrage with uh, the menu underperforming, number one. The menu is but, doing great. It just it just uh, passed the box office total of Ready or Not and of Midsommar. So, yeah, the menu is not underperforming. It's doing great. But I will say we did mention when she said came out and bombed mm -hmm. that that was a predominantly white female movie mm -hmm. and nobody else came out for that. And that is why it bombed. So we do mention them. I don't know if we mention them as much as we can, but I do think it is important to talk about demographics and very much so because when you're looking at the box office and who actually goes, it sometimes is not really talked about how much people other than white people make the, you know, make movies successful in the sense of like, look at horror movies which, you know, Brent from the New Flesh has talked about, and we agree, is like the most consistent film you can put out that earns money is a horror movie in theatrical. And when you look at those demographic breakdowns, they are really diverse. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And everyone so goes to horror. Everyone, everyone wants to be scared for their life. And so if you're going to have a hit, you need to have that sort of diversity. Anytime you over-index in a specific area, you're just not going to have a hit. It's just not possible. And so demographics are really important. And yes, we were being, I think, a little bit too nice to the, to the white Marvel nerds. And believe us, we will never be that nice again. No, that's the nicest we'll ever be to white Marvel nerds that day. Mark it on your calendar the opening weekend episode of Black Panther Wakanda Forever, that is the most credit we give white Marvel nerds. It ends but, there. But keep listening and thank you for the conversation starter and the criticism. We love it. Yes, yes. No, she she is totally right. We need to give those demographic stats, you know, whatever, whatever they are available for big movies. So right here, we promise a little tease on our episode next week, where we go over the opening weekend of Avatar, The Way of Water, we will go over all the available demographic stats. We will let you know, white people, black people, other, you know, whoever the statistics that go, and blue people. Do blue people show up for Avatar, Way of Water? We will hold blue people accountable for this movie, so... So are you talking young. about people that have painted themselves? Yes, exactly. Okay. Exactly. At that point, I think if you paint yourself to be a Nive, is that is that what the 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 uh the aliens in that Navi? movie are called? Navi. Navi. If you paint yourself to be a Navi, then I think that should be counted in the demographic breakdown. So, you know, that well, that will show the popularity of that movie, because yes. if you're that hardcore. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. To, that to paint yourself blue, then that means that that's a that movie's going to be a success, which we all know it's going to. Yes, that'll be a great uh, a great statistic for Avatar Way of Water. If on Monday we're looking at biggest opening weekend ever and you've got a 20 percent blue person uh, uh, statistic there.
That would be huge for them. Now, I do have a hard out, so we need to kind of rip through these next few movies. But I think you probably want to talk a little bit about a little bit about this violent night hold, which is down only thirty five percent. I mean, do don't you find that incredible? A second weekend, and listen, this isn't a movie that opened at like fifty million, but it did open at over thirteen million. So. Mm-hmm. And a wide release. So that type of movie should still be dropping 50 plus percent easy, if not 60 percent. And it's a gimmicky movie. You know, it's Santa Claus in an action movie. So you would think a gimmicky movie that opens to double digits in its first weekend, its second weekend, it's going to drop 50, 60 percent. It only dropped 35 percent. So Obviously, what this tells us is people really like this movie and people are coming out of it and telling their friends, you got to check this out. And that's 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 the that's obviously this movie is going to live and die on word of mouth. And it seems to be living really well. Santa Claus is coming to town right now. Well, we're not critics, huh? But I will say, and I'm not to blow up your spot here, Pat, but you did something similar with me. You yep. saw this film, and you said you really liked it. You thought David Harbour's performance was really fun. Mm-hmm. They took the premise to the max, mm-hmm. is I think a quote. Oh, yes. I used to the max a lot. Yeah. And that was word of mouth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm more likely to see that movie now than I was before. Mm-hmm. which is still not likely, but mm-hmm. there was no way in hell I was seeing this movie before you said anything about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I had gotten good word of mouth from a fellow friend, friend of the podcast, past and future guest, Aaron Rose Chan, had mm. been on uh, this podcast, and she saw this movie, and opening night, because she sees things opening night, she's just a machine, and she said this was really good, and that was part of playing it to my decision to see it in its second weekend that and the fact that it is a successful box office hit you know this is the type of movie that if it bombed you would stay far away from it because you're not going to go see the gimmicky santa claus action movie that also has already been rejected yeah but the fact that it opened strong and now it's holding strong i think this gives people the permission they needed to go see this to ask their partner, do you want to go see this movie? And I think that's important because if this movie was a, a disaster at the box office, people are not, even if they're interested in seeing it themselves, they're not going to their partner and saying, hey, do you want to go see Violet Night? You know, that movie that's completely tanking and being rejected at the box office. That's not going to happen, but it's a hit with a great hold. So you've got you've got that ammunition you need to go to your partner and say, why don't we go see this thing? Yeah. And even like, I don't care how strong your relationship is, mm-hmm. if you drag your partner to a film that already has the stink of failure, you walk in the theater, there's three people there, one of them's in a trench coat, Right. that's just going to, that's going to be bad. Totally. Listen, I have been with my wife for 12 years now, you know, mm-hmm. between dating, marriage time, you add it up, you get the final total. I think your first movie together was Cedar Rapids, right? Is that that the first movie? It was Cedar Rapids, and we survived that. Mm -hmm. We survived that, which I think And that's rough, yeah. It was rough. That was with some rough waters. But we survived that, but 
as strong a relationship as anyone has, it could only survive so many bad movie experiences, so many of one person taking the other person to a movie that they hate. You only have so many of those. And as strong as our relationship is, there's a number. There's a number of bad theatrical experiences that could end this, even if everything else is going great, which it is. Mm -hmm. And you don't want to rack those numbers up. And Violent Night was not that. I took her to that. I was the impetus for us going. She was very skeptical about it. She had a great time. She loved it. Came out of it talking sequels. The two of us are sitting there. At the Nighthawk Bar, Trees Lounge, great place. You got to stop by. I may be there. I may not be there. But we were talking about the movie afterwards, and we were sitting there talking about what sequels they should make. So that is huge to have someone who is very wary of going at all, who leaves the movie talking about sequels they want to see. That shows that people are liking this movie. That shows that people who were not into the premise initially are liking this movie. And I think we got to give it to David Harbour, who we talked a little bit about it after the opening weekend. He's really turning himself into a possible B-movie genre star with this. And Mm -hmm. the second weekend really props him up to be someone who could hold this type of movie going forward. We need that sort of mid-budget actionaire star to emerge. And David Harbour seems to have all the goods. Yep. He's a he's a big guy. He's imposing, but he's sympathetic because he's not Schwarzenegger, mm-hmm. you know, and he's funny. This movie requires him to do a lot of comedy. He's sympathetic. He seems like a nice dude, which is what you want. But he's got an edge to him and he's got the built in Stranger Things audience, which is huge, which is yeah. huge. Now, Pat. Yes. I'm going to make you and one of B.O intern Christopher happy right now because I'm going to give you one minute undisturbed uninterrupted to talk about the menu which has just beat ready or not mm-hmm. and what was the other one Ari Aster's film uh, Midsommar Midsommar at okay. the box office two very strong comps to this movie So here you go. Here's a minute for you to talk uninterrupted about your pet movie, The Menu. All right. Well, I mean, I start off by saying I don't appreciate it being called my pet movie because The Menu is not just my movie. It's America's movie right now. It is clear that all of America has embraced this movie. It's up to $29 million domestic for a small searchlight comedy thriller about rich people going to an island for food and you would think okay that's a movie that's going to come and go that's a movie with a premise that is going to maybe play well on the coast for a weekend and that's it no this movie has now made more money than ready or not this movie the menu has made more movie than Ari Aster's Midsommar this movie is going to get over 30 million dollars total easy and that is not what anyone expected people love this movie this is a huge win for anya taylor joy it's a huge win for ray fines and i think this is a box office that could catapult a small searchlight film into oscar nom 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 territory you know this movie is about food the menu is about food it's about people who say nom 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 when they eat 
But no, this movie now, because of its box office, could be about Oscar nom nom noms. I'm talking screenplay. I'm talking, yes, best actor Ray Fiennes. That is how good this box office is, how surprising this box office is, that we could see Ray Fiennes get a best actor nom 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 from the menu. And that would be this movie getting its just desserts. Great. And let the record show I did not interrupt. Thank now, you. let's talk about a movie that we saw this weekend with the aforementioned Aaron, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. not your wife, the other Aaron. The other Aaron. That is in re- limited release and is the biggest limited release hit in six theaters mm-hmm. of the year, beating out everything, everywhere, all at once. Mm-hmm. At once. <laughs> Fuck it, it's raw feet. It grossed 360,000 per screen. Um, no, it grossed oh, 360,000 total. 60,000 per, per screen. 60,000 per screen. Thank you. When we're talking about Darren Aronofsky's The Whale, starring Brendan Fraser. Now, here's the thing. I and you Mm -hmm. are not going to talk about the many issues this movie may have when it comes to public perception, when it comes to obesity, and things like that, right? We're not going to tackle that. We're not critics, huh? We're not critics, huh? This show is not about that. It's not about the quality of this movie. No, huh? The focus here and what stood out to me when we watch this film, because I'm always a wannabe a boy. Mm-hmm. Not a wannabe a boy. I am a, a B.O. boy. Yeah, you've made it. I've made it. I'm always a B.O. boy at heart. I'm always thinking B.O. terms. And we watched this movie, and the takeaway that I had for the success of this movie, and whether or not it should go wide, because we we got slips of paper because we're coastal elites, and we went and saw this movie on Saturday night, opening weekend, in one of the nine theaters it was playing at, and we were given a survey to take for the filmmakers to peruse in order to figure out how they're going to make this movie go wide or if they're going to make this movie go wide, right? So we had some say in this. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I would say, and I did say on this survey, is that this movie is anti-concessions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that is really not good, right? Because concessions are the lifeblood of theaters. And that, if you are a movie theater chain, you do not want a movie that so strongly makes people Against candy bars, yes, and pizza, yes, and the, the the fundamental things that make theaters run, yes. Right, there's a yes. scene in this movie where eating two Three Musketeers is like a breaking point, is like the most disgusting thing you could do, and that is not a message I would want a movie playing in my theater to have. No, 
No, th- there is a shot of candy. You know, it's it's all about the the filmmaker's POV and the camera hates the candy in this movie. There is a shot when a character opens a drawer filled with candy and you would think someone had just opened a drawer and had found uh corpses in there. You know, well, it's like a trap, a like a saw and, trap. Like yes. it was shot and and the music was like a saw trap. Yes. When he yes. opens the drawer and there's a bunch of candy in it. Yep. And it's like, and then doubly, it's like, I know what you're saying out there. But Clayton, people buy concessions before they go see a movie. So it's not gonna matter. No, no, no. Here's what happens with this film, also on a different level is that people are not going to want to eat during this film, mm-hmm. okay? Those mm-hmm. are just the facts. I'm not commenting on anything else. I'm just saying that they're not going to want to eat during this film. So they walk in. They've got their nachos. They've got their sodi. They've got their jujubees. Yeah. yeah. They're sitting there, you know, previews. It's going good. It's going good. Movie starts. They're like, I- I'm going to return this. I need to return this food. Right. So you're going to get a lot of food returns, which you can't re- resell. You just can't. You can't resell an open box of Juji Fruits. There's no street value on those. And then the word of mouth is going to be, if anybody recommends this movie, which that's up in the air, don't buy any concessions. Right. Because you won't eat them. Right. That is death for a theater. Right. Right. So if I'm, so if I'm a theatrical chain, I'm saying, hey – I don't want this movie in my in my uh, in my in my theater because concessions are what keeps this this place going and the lights on, and we already have enough problems in theatrical at the moment. Right, right. The, this movie is just a damning portrayal of candy and of food in general. And if you were a theater owner who's sitting in the back of the room watching this movie, maybe for the first time in your own theater, and you're watching people watch The Whale, and you're watching people look at this horrific portrayal of food and of snacks, and the the way that the filmmaker clearly wants us to hate snacks. Again, Mm -hmm. the, the shot of the Three Musketeers and of a character eating Three Musketeers as if they were basically being put to death is something that must make theater owners just their eyes roll to the back of their heads, must make them angry, must make them scared because Mm -hmm. it's going to make audiences hate concessions. And, you know, the whale doing big business or doing good business may be a double-edged sword because the theater owners, they want that ticket money. But if the whale gets bigger and if the whale travels further and farther further and if the whale goes wider it could be a negative ad campaign for concessions so if you're a theater owner at this point you might be rooting against the whale's success because mm-hmm. at what cost does that whale success come for your concessions absolutely absolutely so we'll we'll follow this story because there's a lot of me that thinks that this initial burst and the fact that this movie is getting such good numbers in such small theaters is that it's a looky-loo situation. You're getting a lot of looky-loos, right? Yep. Everything everywhere all at once became a hit and it started slow and it started slower than I thought it was going to. And I knew it was going to break out, but I thought it was going to break out sooner than it did. But this movie is not a grower. It's a shower. Yep. And we're going to 
I think we're going to see that. And we're going to – this movie is probably not even going to go wide because I think A24 doesn't really know what to do with this movie. And it feels to me like it's going to be in a few hundred theaters and then PVOD. That's the inkling I got from the questions they were asking us on those surveys. Yeah. So we'll see, Pat. We'll and, see. And We're going to be following the whale mm-hmm. like Captain Ahab. Yep. Tracking it. Mm-hmm. And uh, hopefully the whale does not lead us to go crazy and plummet to our deaths. But you never no. know. You never know what any of these movies. It's all a crapshoot. Based on the audience response from the screening we were at, I am not confident, like you say, that the whale is going to go very wide. It did not seem to have that rapturous. This was, let's just say, this was not the Venice Film Festival 48-minute standing ovation or whatever that was. That's not what happened when we saw The Whale this weekend. There were some disgruntled exiting theater goers, and not just because they didn't feel like eating their candy. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, Pat, and we don't have any demo breakdowns for this movie, which I wish we did. But if once we get those, we will definitely share those. Yes. Because yes. that would be very interesting to me. Yes. Just who saw the whale. We, yeah. we want to know. But maybe yeah. the- who was who was whale watching this weekend? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, Pat, I have a heart out. So you've got a heart out. Gotta go. But so, yeah, what were you going to say? Well, I was going to say. Everyone, the big news is you got to join us on our next episode because our next, the next time we're on air, next time you hear us, it's going to be the weekend preview for Avatar, The Way of Water. And Clayton, just a reminder, I don't know if you remember this, but we have a big special guest who's joining us on this preview episode. It's Danny from I Screen, You Scream, four movies, the number four, huge returning guest this is one of his most anticipated movies of the year he is hyping this up if you go to ice screen you scream for movies number four he's got a preview episode for avatar that should be dropping any minute now it should already be there and he will be on our weekend preview episode finally clayton we have a gigantic movie to look forward to it's going to be one of if not the biggest movie of the year this is as big as it gets and the next ep- episode of the B.O. Boys will be previewing it. So email us at the B.O. Boys podcast at gmail.com. Let us know your avatar way of water predictions. We want to gauge the temperature from the want to be old boys, want to be old girls, want to be old people, people on this huge, huge movie. So email us as soon as you can so we could get it in there for the weekend preview episode with Danny. It's going to be huge. The B.O. Boys podcast at gmail.com. And of course, Hang out with us over on social media at the B.O. Boys pod. Right now we're on Twitter, exclusive clips, video clips, not just audiograms, but we got some video clips straight from the recording sessions. It's just getting bigger and bigger and better. Just like the whale, we keep going further and further and growing. And join us at the B.O. Boys pod on Twitter and other social media platforms to come. And, and depending on how well these these clips do, I will upgrade my webcam so it doesn't look like I'm shooting myself on a Nokia flip phone. Yes. So the more support you give us, the more retweets and hearts and social media plaudits we get for these videos, Clayton will then be inspired 
to not look like he's making a kidnapping proof of life video. Mm-hmm. Well, Pat, I don't think there's anything left to say. No. Except until next time. We'll smell you at the box office. Nailed it. Nailed it.